keep on kissing babies and hugging fat girls. Sell out full of suffering, suck attach, son. It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. What? It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. And you teeth look like two tight too, Billy. And you book a match with me. That's right, Killing. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> total. Marks with Dan St. Germain. Welcome, everybody, to Total Evan Marks. I am the king of sad style, the man with the largest calves in the world, here with Andy Cups, here with Sergeant Slaughterhouse, here with Zach Attack. Let's get this fuck party started. Ooh, I love that, baby. (laughs) I mean, I don't know if let's get this fuck party started is like a thing we should do weekly. But uh, we should fuck. We all should fuck right now. I mean, just imagine a man listening to a like, like he's listening, like his girlfriend's like, "What are you listening to?" After hearing, "Let's get this fuck party started," and then being like, "No, no, no, it's about wrestling." And then she's (laughs) even more disgusted with him. (laughs) Then there's like a pause, and he's like, "I told you I was gay, and this was a sham marriage." (laughs) That's happened Um, to me so many times. I like go get gas, and I'm like listening to somebody deconstruct um macho man randy savage you know and <laughs> the guy at the station's like okay How you i would today, join robert i would join the fuck party but ever since watching new japan dominion i can't get an erection so <laughs> I, unless my wife just whispers okada into my ear it's the only way it's gonna happen <laughs> I, i'm that way but with uh uh what's his name fucking tanahashi <laughs> holy shit that man is gorgeous yeah, Tanahashi is a, is beautiful. Tanahashi's like a, like a Clydesdale horse, you know? Yeah. Like it's just like Yeah, that's just gorgeous. <laughs> is anyone still listening after that intro? <laughs> yeah. All right, let's uh, put our dicks away and talk about wrestling. Number 1, Monday Night Raw has the lowest rating in history. We've talked about what to do to turn the ship in the right direction. But is there a feasible way that WWE goes out of business? What do you, what do you think, Scott? I mean, it, as you know, someone who's studied business, um, <laughs> I can't even play Monopoly. It's like genuinely too complicated for me. Um, no, I, I mean, based on what I've heard, they can never go out of business. But I do think Vince could sell. Like, I've, I've always genuinely believed that's an option. Like, you hear of Disney buying it, and you go, why not? Disney can buy anything it wants. If you, if you, if you told me when I was a kid Disney was going to own Marvel and Star Wars, I wouldn't understand it. So, yeah, I could see Disney owning, owning WWE. But um, it going away, no. What about you, Robert? What do you think? I don't think it's ever going to go out of business. I think, number one, even with the lowest ratings ever, it's still pulling in big numbers for cable. And there's always going to be a channel somewhere that's going to pay for live weekly content. And even if it's, you know, whatever they were at, 1.5 or something like that, it's still bigger than what is on most of cable to begin with. They'll always have an audience. I don't think Vince will ever sell. 
he's just he's that asshole friend that you had as a kid that if you two were both playing action figures he'd come over and tell you you're doing it wrong he, like he just can't give up control of the wwe until he's in the ground and even then he'll figure out a way to have dead hand control what, what if you think it alleviates like a um like a pressure like what if he if he's tied up like like you know i don't know like i I'm thinking in terms of getting in trouble. I constantly have this idea that the FBI is investigating Vince. I guess it's based in nothing, but I, <laughs> I just picture him the, uh, like looking out the windows at helicopters. The <laughs> yeah, but he he beat the government once. He's convinced he's Teflon, and they'll never ever get him. So he's if he's made it this far without them being able to get him on on taxes or getting him on steroids or getting him on who knows what fucked up things are going on there in Connecticut. Trying to honk a titty at a fucking sunglass hut or whatever that fucking story was. The tanning salon in uh in Florida. Tanning salon. As if Florida couldn't get any more fucked it, up. It is funny to think that if Disney did buy WWE though, like instead of erasing Benoit from history, he would just be like in the Disney vault. <laughs> 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 and him, and like, him and Song of the South. Yeah, Benoit. that's like a fun take. Like just thinking of Benoit, like in the purgatory that is the Disney ball, <laughs> just just scaring cartoons. <laughs> I, I'm gonna be a contrarian. I think they could feasibly go out of business if if there is a combination of lawsuits. Because the thing is now is like all these networks care about is bad PR. So if there's like a if there's like real if there's a real like push in media behind one of the many fucked up things they do that combined with the poor ratings and no show and no house show attendance and no house shows where they can sell merch they could be in trouble but then again Slammiversary is Saturday so somehow Impact is still in business so it, I mean it, it, it exactly is still- I I also think it's a situation where like they have enough money to kind of just live this out until the world ends don't they even if even if it was just like a pet project couldn't he just kind of the money they have acquired fund that for like the next 200 years between the money they have and the library and the and the network and all of that they can find ways to 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 make money and after the nuclear holocaust it'll be cockroaches kevin dunn and the wwe (laughs) yeah oh man I, i could see them monetizing like um I, I could see them doing commercials on the network or something, and you have to pay more to get not commercials. I could see that happening in a few years. Yeah, for sure. I don't know who would pay for that, but I mean, now because you can get so much of it on YouTube. But I mean, I guess if they if they really have people go after them. Uh, on to some more upbeat shit. Number two, fight for the fall, and watch will cover NXT at the very end of it. Uh, general thoughts. What did you guys think of the show? Uh, there was a disconnect for me during a lot of it. I don't know if it was Jericho. It might, might've been Jericho, man. It, it was like too funny. It was like, you, you know, like, like if you don't crush out the gate, you're just kind of bombing, you know, it's not even his right. fault. Like he said worthy things, but I feel like he bombed fairly hard. Um, during uh, uh, the first match that kind of bombed. It was like stalling. And I think that set the tone for the night. Um, everything felt kind of green. Yeah, well, let's get go through it. Um, Cody uh, versus Sonny Kiss for the AEW TNT Championship. 
Cody retains. The story of the match is Cody was incredibly aggressive. Uh, Sonny got in a lot of high spots, but ultimately it was still a reasonably short match with uh, Cody going over. Robert, what do you think of this match? It was my first time really seeing Sonny Kiss as a singles performer, and I wasn't overly impressed with a lot of his offense. I think he needs to focus more on striking. It, it was so, some of those punches just they were missing by a, a wide margin, and it became a little distracting. Uh, they, they, I get the story they were trying to tell that, that Cody needed to be nefarious and start being a little heelish in order to beat Sonny Kiss, that Sonny wasn't a joke. It, it felt just, it was a very, it just felt discombobulated, I think, for lack of a, a better term. Yeah, something's, you, re- so, something's really missing with this, uh, with this Cody thing. And I, I know it, it's like fairly new, but unless you're competing again, like he's not great enough in the ring to be like, all right, young guys, come fight me. And like, let's, let's learn, a th- let me learn you something. It's, it's right. just, you're not really that guy. And I think we, we lose that a lot because he has had like the Cody and Dustin match and the storytelling has been there for the pay-per-view matches. But on a weekly basis, it's just, uh, he's, he's green, man. When he, when he left WWE and he was in Ring of Honor and in New Japan, like, that was a very obvious thing. He was not nearly as good in the ring as everybody else. I remember uh, a few years ago, we were having conversations about, all right, when Cody had left WWE and he was in New Japan, uh, what his viability was, whether it was something to potentially look into for, for MLW or something like that. And somebody made the comment of Cody's great and then the bell rings. And there's just something not there. And the story for this match, I couldn't even tell you what the clear story I was supposed to take away from this was. It should have been Cody was respecting Sonny and giving him this shot. And then Sonny kept kind of besting him a little bit. And it forced Cody to have to start being a heel. But Cody kind of started off as a dick doing the push-up spot where he's not taking it seriously. But he hasn't made that full shift yet to being a heel. And it, it makes you not fully understand who the character is. And it's strange that Arn is his coach when Arn, when he's on his podcast, is always talking about you need to understand who the character is. If he's a babyface, he's a babyface. If he's a heel, he's a heel. And the audience needs continuity to, to tell the story. So if it's Cody's veering into being a heel more because he desperately needs to keep this championship because it's all he has, let that be the story. If he's a cocky dick, let that be the story. But you're telling six stories at once. And as the audience, I don't know what the hell to pay attention to. You know, I, I didn't even notice the match as much because I was watching with my wife and my wife was like, why are they sitting so close together? And that's all I could think about the entire <laughs> match. That entire first match, I saw Sonny come out with those cheerleaders and the cheerleaders were in a really tight group. And you got Arn Anderson, who looks like he's about to fucking have a heart attack from like a fried clam sandwich at any any second. So I, I, I couldn't understand like why they're not going back to no people in the arena as far as Cody I think he's good in the ring he clearly has had trouble carrying people who are green whether it's Sonny or uh the guy from private party which maybe that was last week or two weeks ago or three weeks weeks ago ago. yeah I think it was like three weeks ago time is a flat circle time is a flat circle to quote true detective um coming up next we had a match that I was really looking forward to and I thought I just didn't love it as much as I wanted to love it. It was FTR versus the Lucha Brothers. 
I wish that these guys had had a couple half show matches because by the end of the match, like I really liked the, I, I did like the ribbing the uh, Lucha mask off. And I thought that was a creative way to uh, make the Luchas look strong while also making FTR uh, the queer number one contenders for the title. But yeah, I, I don't know. It just like in the beginning, it just felt like the FTR was, was trying to wrestle the Lucha Bros match. And it, it just didn't work for me. What do you guys think? We're all pointing at each other. That's all right. Uh, I'll, I'll step in here. This is what happens. I'm not the host for a week. The wheels have fallen off. Um, again, it, it, it was a Pentagon Junior match. He took his glove off, and they did the same spot he does every single time, which will always wind up pissing me off. The match was fine. I think there's a lot of hype and excitement around these guys facing off against each other, and it was perfectly acceptable. I think that the... Uh, the the mask removal, I, I've seen it. I mean, when we had those, those guys in MLW, we did that spot before. So it's just kind of every luchador ever is so terrified of having their mask work off that they don't care if they're going to lose the match, which works if you're a babyface. If you're a heel, it's kind of stupid. It's also kind of funny if, like, they rip the mask off and it's Jeffrey Epstein. They're like, he's alive. <laughs> we <laughs> knew it. I think that would be a more interesting finish. What do you think, Scott? I uh, I bring this. I've brought this up to a few people today, and they didn't see it this way. And I really feel like I, I might have watched a different show. But there was a botch early on in the match from the Lucha Brothers, and um, there was like a little bit of like a discombobulation after that. And then they started working like stiff, and it felt like they were actually all kind of angry with each other. Like there was a legitimate tension of, of oh maybe these guys can't work together because and and I was like so confused I'm like is this meta is this like part of the story that right. that FTR could never wrestle with the Lucha Brothers because their ideas of tag team wrestling are too different. Um, and, well, and, if you and, went to FTR, apparently and, they're the heels of the locker room, but I don't know if that's just them working. Yeah, I think, yeah, and, that, and that's the other thing I go, is that BS, you know, and that's kind of what I like about it. Um, I thought that FTR actually slowed down the Lucha Brothers, but I think since it is the Lucha Brothers, even slowing it down is like a bit fast for a team like FTR, and so it didn't mesh that great. But uh, I thought it picked up at the end, and I actually loved – the ending, I thought the 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 mask removal and the roll up was like smooth as fuck. It was pretty smooth. The one thing Ooh. I can't get over with Pentagon Junior is that like it almost feels like every six year old boy wears that as a Halloween costume. <laughs> you know, like that's just like the rite of passage to dress as the skeleton you get from Halloween Adventure Shop. But he still looks cool as shit. All right, Jericho does a promo where he uh, calls himself the Demo God. That was a little bit too meta for me. They did a Ministry of Darkness blood spot, but with Tropicana and Orange Cassidy is still super over. What did you think, Scott? Oh, okay, so I watched it, and it was real awkward. Um, and a lot of – like, it just dead air. Like, it, it felt so dead. When, when you're trying to be funny – like Jericho's heel is he's funny, but when you're doing it to nobody, it, it's no yeah. longer funny. It's just uncomfortable. And you, you come off like you're bombing. 
Um, and if you're like sitting home, just cracking up to a thing like that, like there's just something wrong with you. Um, <laughs> you know, you sit and watch that and just observe it. A compliment though, someone mashed it up with that song Jane by uh, Jefferson Airplane. I think by that time, the Jefferson Starship and the music filled in the silence and it was fun to watch. Like visually, I was like, oh, if there was a crowd here and Orange Cassidy was in the crowd and they were all freaking out and he's giving the thumbs up and the thumbs down, like it would be explosive. Um, but you're removing so all guys, of it. You and didn't it's know, so Scott smokes weed. <laughs> it's so uncomfortable. No, that's a real thing. You didn't feel that way? Bro, you ever, you ever fucking watch a Dean Malenko match and, and put great white in the background? Uh, Robert, what? think of the promo i don't love going to the the ratings thing on air it's it doesn't really work especially because jericho was trying to explain the minutiae of well (laughs) technically we lost the ratings but we won in the key demo that's like at that point i was like fuck you guys like i i get what you're trying to do but no i also am fully convinced tony khan in his free time is listening to this podcast and heard us say Orange Cassidy is their undertaker. And he's like, perfect. I don't know what he sounds like. I'm going to assume that's what it is. Like, perfect. We're going to make orange juice fall from the sky. More like, dad, can you make orange juice fall from the sky, please? I have a question about the demo. When he says that, what do you think he's doing? Do, do you think he's trolling? Do you think he doesn't take it seriously? And then now that's the character? Or... Because my issue with it is I think he actually cares about these ratings. And so when he talks about it, it's like, ew, you're a loser. Um, as, or does he actually not care? And then it's just kind of funny that he's bringing it up because people do care. No, I think that they, they all care. They've made a concerted effort over the last few weeks to take shots at WWE. MJF did it when he talked about there's a ratings war. Taz made the comment about WWE running a sloppy shop. Now Jericho talking about we're winning the key demos. It's one side picking a fight, and there's no way WWE's but, actually going to respond. But is it one side, or is it just they're the ones verbalizing it? Meanwhile, WWE, it's like everything AEW announces, they immediately come up with some sort of counter-programming that is like so obvious they're trying to... Um, I mean, I guess there's technically nothing wrong with it. It's business, right? But it's like, I don't know, it comes off very Bischoff-y. It's like the thing, the thing Vince hated about Bischoff. It's very Bischoffy, and Jericho as the heel should always be. You should be lying if you're a heel. And if he's the heel and he's out there saying we're winning the ratings, and when I'm on, ratings go up, well, then why are you a bad guy? I should hate. You're clearly the most popular person that they have, and we should all love you. Yeah, I actually think um, because AEW beat NXT in the ratings this week. Uh, they announced it a couple hours ago, I guess. Um, NXT, I think, might have had its lowest rating ever. Um, But that's, but again, that's AEW has now fallen into a couple of weird traps. Namely, they're now branding a lot of shows. You just came off two weeks of Fighter Fest, and now it's Fight for the Fallen. It's that thing where TNA did this for a while too. It signals that when it's just a regular episode of Dynamite, you don't need to tune in because they didn't make special graphics. That's a great point. Next week's episode does not feel as big. Do we we want to talk about the Jericho uh, Sebastian Bach Twitter feud later in the show, right? Yeah, yeah, because that's yeah, yeah, exactly. It's coming up, folks. Don't don't think that I got opinions on that. But also, I think the cat. A lot of people are saying, well, Orange Cassidy wouldn't have planned something that intricate. 
which I disagree. He would because his character is that he actually does give a shit, but he wants you to think he doesn't. And so it's actually more of a surprise for all of these little tricks like the towel, the orange juice, because you would least expect it from him because you would think he wouldn't do it. Now, did he plan it or does he have magical powers and can summon orange juice from the ceiling? Oh, God, I hope not. It's the, it's the fucking worst episode of the X-Files ever. Um, the Elite defeated the Jurassic Express, the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega versus Luchasaurus, Jungle Boy and Marco Stunt. I thought this was a, I mean, this was probably the match of the night. Um, you know, it, it did do, you know, like I was wondering whether or not, I, I was wondering what the point of this match was when they announced it. And by the end of it, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I, I get why. I get why they had this match. Uh, what do you guys think? I, I actually think it, it may – they've done a really good job with, um, with, with the whole Omega, Hangman, Bucks situation and FTR, where it's like it's more complicated than, than most things I'm, I've, I'm ever used to watching in wrestling. And so, to me – um, watching earlier in the night, which which we forgot to bring up, was that after FTR won, the Bucks and Kenny came out, gave them beer, kind of Kenny apologizing for dumping out their beer, and FTR dumped their beer on Omega's head. And one, I was irritated he didn't attack them then because it makes you kind of weak. But um, in that situation, FTR is wrong, right, for doing that. We can agree. They are the heels in that moment for pouring it on his head. It's rude. Now, in this match, Omega is acting like a heel because he's – He's, uh, he's snapping on the wrong people, kind of, right? And what makes it interesting and intricate is he's right when it comes to FDR. He's wrong when it comes to Jurassic Express, but they can all use what he did to Jurassic Express to say he's being a dick to FDR, too, when he's not. They're being the dicks. Does that make any sense? Makes a lot more sense with Jefferson Airplane playing. <laughs> just going to say, it's like that Alan Parsons Project song. Uh, <laughs> th- th- no, that's what all, they're doing, right? What, I no, don't bro, get... what if we went to the zoo and we were the animals? Dude, I'm right. I'm right, man. Dude, get on the Bucks and Omega's level, man. This is storytelling at its finest, baby. By the way, back-to-back, back-to-back segments where somebody's getting liquid poured on their head. They went from the beer getting poured on Kenny Omega's head to the orange juice uh, dump. I think that they're trying to tell a nuanced story with Kenny Omega that Kenny was pissed about what happened with the, what FTR did. Then he was pissed to see Adam Page, uh, Hangman Page drinking with FTR when they're supposed to be enemies. And then he, it, he was saying it, and it was, it was kind of interesting. The match itself was, hey, they did a bunch of wacky spots, but the, the crazy spot that Marco Stunt did where they jumped off Luchasaurus and spiked him, and Kenny's basically saying to the Bucks after, like, that guy tried to kill you. That's I why that. I did what I did. I so loved like, that. He was trying to justify his actions. Dude. But subtlety in wrestling is kind of tough. No, but that, that was golden because, one, I – and the spots do look cool, even though, like, a lot of times it's super contrived. But we do have to slow down on, the, on, on these destroyers, man. Holy shit. Um, because it really does look like murder. And then everything oh else God. in the match is, like, not nearly as, as intriguing or anything. Um, and this is, like, the first time I've ever said that. I love high spots and all that shit. But this is, like, death. And then we're, we're breaking out, you know? Um, but I, I did love that touch, too, because he's also right. These fucking guys just tried to kill you. Then we got a brief uh, Adam Hangman page with FTR. They're getting drunk backstage. 
we go on. I don't even know how we can talk about this, but the Nightmare Sisters, Brandy Rhodes and Allie, defeated MJ Jenkins and Kenzie Page. Okay, Brandy Rhodes is incredibly good at the role that she had in WWE. She's good at announcing. She would be great at interviewing backstage. She's great in the Renee Young role. But for whatever reason, she thinks that's beneath her, which I think is is ridiculous. I, I think that I think that she would be awesome in that role. This, I mean, she's just not. Everybody in this match was fucking green. It was mercifully short, but I, I wouldn't trust either Brandy or Allie with like two people who are are like look like they just left wrestling school. I mean, what do you guys think? It made Brian Cage look better. So I <laughs> guess there's that. See, see, all this tells me is that you two are not uh, a part of the Nightmare family. <laughs> <laughs> because when you're a part I of the Nightmare family, nightmare. you know that even if you suck at wrestling, it's, it's her dream, Dan, is to be a wrestler. And so she's got to do it. And, it's, and you don't get it. I don't and get. Have it. you guys seen this new tattoo I got? <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad. I, the worst person I feel for in this is is Dustin, who had to put all that face paint on for thirty seconds of TV time. Like that had to have taken at least an hour, and then another twenty minutes of washing it off to be out there for about you know forty five fifty seconds. Uh, poor poor Dustin. What a talent! It is a bummer when you see somebody who can really wrestle watching on. Vicky Guerrero was revealed as Nyla Rose's new manager. Well, she was revealed when her when they botched her theme music, but then they brought her out later on. You guys excited about Vicky and AEW? I, I'll say this: I don't, I don't want the excuse me thing. I don't, I, I, I just don't want that. You know, it feels like when, and I, I think Jericho for the most part has been super successful um, with promos. I mean, like he's still top guy one of the top guys, top two guys, you know, working right now. Um, even though the last few weeks have been wonky. Um, but Jericho fails when he, when he feels like the WWE guy, when, like when he referenced Tyson punching him on raw, you, you become disconnected because who gives a shit? And the excuse me thing feels very, who gives a shit? Um, but she can cut a promo, man. She cut a promo. She did. Like it it was pretty that good. Was I like that she kind of referenced Eddie, like the the uh the cheat the lie and the cheat shit. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was cool, man. I don't know. I liked it. I, I was, After it was promo, cool. I was like, WWE just filed like four trademarks. Probably that. Yeah. It's ours. Well, yeah, also I, I, I skipped out. Is Robert still here or did he skip out? I think Robert got lagged out, but he should be back. No, he'll be back. All right, Scott, you're I, I love how Dan, that shows how weak Dan is, that instead of thinking that Robert's uh, computer failed, he thinks Robert just gave up on us. Dan, it's <laughs> abandonment issues. Yeah, man. Yeah, we're, we're both well, I guess Robert the podcast. <laughs> I must have ruined it. <laughs> Let's get to the main event. John Moxley uh, against Brian Cage. John Moxley retains the AEW World Championship. What did you think, Zach? Switching it up. Ooh, uh, I, I I like Brian Cage. I don't know why Robert. I I guess I wanted to ask Robert why he doesn't like Brian Cage so much, but uh, I I didn't think it was that bad. Uh, Moxley 
I'm not a huge Moxley fan, though. That's yeah. I, I guess that's the. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm not like specifically like a Moxley guy. You know what I mean? Fan, but I'm a fan. But yeah, man. And 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 I even texted Dan last night when he was walking out, and when he landed those first few punches in the match, and I was just like, man, he is like no one looks more into wrestling than him. Like, uh, I don't know. Like, when he walked out last night, it felt like the arena was full. And it was such, like, a nice moment, like, to acknowledge um, um, such an asshole for not knowing his name. It's his friend who died. Uh, yeah, uh, Havoc. Danny Havoc, I believe. Yeah, yeah, Danny Havoc. Um, and, you know, he said, like, this is for you or something and, and kissed the, uh, the camera as he was walking out. And it, like, really – it felt like a full arena. And, uh, and then the, and then the way he fought initially also felt that way, man. He was like sticking with the punches. It just felt like it, it feels like he cares more, more he's than a very lot of guys. Good professional wrestler. Yes. He, he comes up like he really gives a shit and he wants when to you fight. See him on, when you see, I mean, I know this is you, when you see him on, and this is the advantage of having WWE. When you see Robert is back, he didn't quit the show. When you see him <laughs> on TV, you're like, this guy has been on TV before. This guy knows how to be on television. He knows how to look in front of the camera. So that's a big plus. Uh, as far as uh, as far as the finish, you know, people really enjoyed the finish. I, I just think like I just think throwing in the towel makes you look weak, even if it's not you that's doing it. I, I don't know. I, and and also like the thing about Brian when you're that muscular, like when you're on that much uh, muscles. Uh, it like any any move that you do looks like it hurts. So like when he was like raping, uh, bring, breaking his arm back, like I didn't like I was like, well, this looks just as painful as him actually walking up to the ring. Yeah, you know? yeah, like like that. That's what it feels like when he tries to wipe his ass. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's Robert, uh, what, do think, what do you think I, of I, Brian Cage? I, I tried to jump out of the call, so I didn't have to talk about Brian Cage. But uh, hey, I'm back. What's let's the game let's do over it. At, uh, hey, at yeah. By the way, I like Brian Cage, and Zach likes Brian Cage. And I, Dan, what's your take? I I I like him. Some I like. I don't know, man. I I still don't love him in the ring yet. I like his look, but I don't love him in the ring yet. But uh, you know, very nice guy. Uh, Robert, did you work with him over at MLW? I will. Uh, I will save that story for the Patreon. Uh, so that's that's a that is a, a nice little tease there for the Patreon. As far as as far as this goes, the problem is Brian Cage is too comically large uh, for his body. And when he stands next to Moxley, you realize Brian Cage is not particularly tall. He's just wide, and he looks a lot like my my daughter's watching it all the time now. The the lobster guy from SpongeBob. Is I mean Scott don't know because he's a stoner, but that's what Brian Cage looks like. He's just like like someone took a bicycle pump and stuck it in him and just pumped this guy up. The the J Jim Ross bless his heart started the match by warning you this was going to be bowling shoe ugly, which signals like hey this might fucking suck. What was strange was this was very obviously thrown together and rushed because they didn't have the build up where John Moxley's telling the story of the torn peck and he was coming after it like ten minutes before the match. If this was something they were building up week after week after week of you're a monster, you're a machine, I'm going to tear your peck off or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to re-injure you or, and, and all that, there was at least some additional intrigue. This was they just dropped it 10 minutes before. They're like, oh, by the way, Brian Cage, I found out you have a peanut allergy. And then John Moxley pulls out a Snickers bar in the match. You're like, it was like, what the fuck? 
Uh, yeah, that sounds like a Vince Russo finish if ever I did hear one. For but sure. What people don't understand, though, is like muscles, it's not the 80s anymore. Like, we now know that the baddest man on the planet is John Jones. And John Jones doesn't look that particularly physically impressive. You know, he's like kind of lanky. He almost even looks like a little bit out of shape in the gut area, but he can fuck up anybody. So when I see somebody now with huge muscles, my, my thought isn't this guy could kick my ass. My thought is this guy probably has a handicap sticker for his car. You know? What, now, Strang- I, uh, oh, sorry, just a quick thing. The strange thing about the muscles that they were trying to tell this story was they kept saying there's no way that Mox is going to be able to hit his dirty deeds, whatever they call it, in, in, in AEW. Like, he's never going to be able to do it. He's never going to be able to do it. And then he just does it out of nowhere without any fanfare. And it was very, it was another just strange story disconnect that they, the agent for the match should have made a point of saying, hey, we're really hyping up the fact that you might not be able to do this move. Moxley even said it in his promo before, and then he just hits it out of nowhere as if it was, you know, the easiest thing in the world. And I was just kind of like, guys, what, you know, Tony, I know you're rigging the orange juice, but focus on the wrestling. Yeah, uh, also, I, I do like that. There. I mean, the thing is, Tony wasn't there last night, and I think that they, the, the show really suffered because he... I- he does move it along quite a bit. I also bit. heard it was uh, super humid there. I heard it was like, it felt like a hundred, de- like a hundred and something degrees. And uh, get fucking people out of the goddamn audience when the state is like having higher numbers than fucking Brazil or right under, I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Oh. Well, if, if you watch the refs from last night, uh, all the refs are like super winded. Uh, so I, I think it was harder for everybody last night to, to wrestle because of the, uh, the climate darby allen comes in at the end does a spot with a skateboard kind of has a similar moment of respect with john moxley yeah i mean uh, you know i mean i i guess i miss sammy more than darby but uh it, it's good to have him back you know whatever him and cage, Brian yeah. cage with darby. what were you saying robert i was gonna say him and cage will at least be fun where yeah. it's that, you know, the big dude tossing him around and, and Darby's going to bump like crazy for him and make Cage look like a monster, but you're booking in reverse. You're now going to do this to establish that Brian Cage is a monster after he now lost the world title match, which is the same thing they did with Brody Lee, and it's what they seem to do with a lot of these guys. You, or they did it with Lance Archer. They build you up, you lose, and then, then they start establishing you after. Yeah, it's hard. that Well, they bring him in to you know, for Moxley or Cody, and, and then they just kind of feed it to him. You know? which, I mean, which, I which I think works for – I think it works for most types of wrestlers. Come in, get beat by a top guy, work your way to the top again because we like that journey. But when you're a monster, that's not the journey. That's not a part of it. No, that's not the journey. Clawing I, your way up to the top is not a part of it when you're the monster. You're on the top because you're a monster more importantly is you have to have some underdogs win you know kenny omega kicking marco stunt's head off brian cage losing sunny kiss losing it's like you can pick them before every match which don't get me wrong like i've complained because wwe does the opposite where they're like we're just gonna fuck with you and have uh this guy win you would never predict but every once in a while having somebody win i mean that's that happens in in sports, you know, like the 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 team, you know, there, there's got to be the Buster Douglas moment or, or whatever. Um, just briefly going through NXT, uh, Keith Lee's first night as champion, 
Obviously, it wasn't a big ratings win. I thought the match that he had with uh, Dijakovic was fine. It, it was definitely yeah, I thought it was some good wrestling matches. But I, I don't, I don't really love how they work together. I'm, I'm in the minority on that. I, I love Keith Lee, but I just, and I love when Keith Lee does impressive shit. But when Dominic does it, it just doesn't. I don't know. It just doesn't look as good to me. Well, what do you guys think? Dominic has this thing where it's like he reminds me of a, like a doctor who runs marathons, like you know, like like <laughs> doctor. Yeah. And like so, when he taught, like, do that promo, and then uh, and then um, Killer Cross attacked him. It was just like I don't know. He shouldn't really be talking, and he doesn't work for me. I, and I hate to say that because I think he's super talented and he's a big guy, but. Uh, Something really, really cheeseball about this dude. He looks like shrunken Gronk. Like there's something about <laughs> yeah. him where if, if Gronk went on like a, like was on Survivor and really trimmed down, that would be uh, Dijakovic. <laughs> I, I, they needed to establish that Kim and Keith Lee were friends so that when Cross kills him off by basically just backdropping him once, uh, it, it means something. Oh, but that was so uncomfortable, right? That was uncomfortable. It was weird because I thought more stuff was going to happen, but like Killer Cross couldn't get his tie off. Yeah. And this is a pre taped show, guys. You could have done like take two. Um, yeah, I, I guess that's, that's where they're going with it. I thought Keith Lee's promo was good, it was conversational. He made it seem like there was an audience there, even though there wasn't. So good for, good for him. Also, uh, Io Shirai re- retained her title against. Tegan Knox, and it seems like they are uh, going to be doing Dakota Kai Io Shirai, which you know it's new, interesting. Yeah, that Dakota kick at the end was uh, was like the highlight of the show for me. Uh, NXT Women's Division is like some of the toughest wrestling I've ever seen, man. So fucking they good. are kicking each other in the heads. I mean, Io Shirai is wow. just Yeah, and as we learned on the Patreon, she's married to Evil. She oh married. gosh yeah evil that's actually what triple h says too uh, <laughs> face mask. Uh, he's face joking mask. stephanie we love you uh, face mask getting a push from kevin owens yeah i mean i i guess i wanted to report on this just because apparently kevin owens is is the guy that got vince to change the face mask policy although the one thing like Kevin Owens is like gotta leave the office and is like, oh, they're gonna wear face masks. And then and then Vince is like, okay, if any of you don't wear a face mask, it's a thousand dollars. And thank Kevin Owens. Like he he like <laughs> went like he made it so like Owens is the heel in this whole situation. Well, and and Robert, maybe you could shed light on this, but to me it's like, did Kevin Owens come to him or did a bunch of guys get together, all talk, and and you know. Sammy Zayn is like, dude, I get, I'm going to get fired if I say something. And then they all like kind of vote for Kevin to do it. Now, nah, Kevin's kind of, he's got the ability to go in there and just kind of say this to him and say, look, you know, my, my wife's father died or grandfather died. I don't feel comfortable going in here otherwise. Either that or this is a very subtle heel turn on Sammy Zayn to force him to come back as El Generico. Like, all right, fucker, <laughs> now, now you have to wear a mask. You got to come back. Oh, that's genius. <laughs> All right, number four. Look, as bad as uh, as bad as wrestling has been, number four takes the cake. The SmackDown karaoke segment. I have been avoiding watching this until today 
I finally sat through it and watched it today. It is all time bad. No one comes across well. I think Tamina Snuka may come off the worst out of all of them. I don't know. Who, who do you guys think is MVP for the worst person in this segment? Robert? Bruce Pritchard. Uh, <laughs> Pritchard. If, if, I mean, look, I, I, they've done stupid shit on TV. I've been there when we've done stupid shit on TV. you got to fill time. I get it. And I understand this was his little nod to the podcast where they're singing the songs that he sings on the show. But you buried everyone on this segment. And SmackDown would have been better if they, if they just blocked out this 10 minutes of time and re-aired and literally anything else rather than put this on the air. Like, this is a taped show. Somebody had to have watched this after it happened and been like, we, gotta, we can film 10 minutes of an empty ring or that fan on the ceiling, and it's going to be better than this karaoke segment where you made everyone look just absolutely awful yeah who do you think I, was I, worse in the segment scott who do you think came across the most uncomfortable yeah probably tamina i would say but my 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 thing with it is so i saw someone i think later that night one of one of the women you know tweeted to somebody who who said like it was stupid you know kind of said like ah you know we were put in like a we had to do what we could with what we had and it's like what does that mean does that mean plans somehow changed during the day like is it is, is it really a thing where like and if i'm wrong for this i'm sorry but like you know those specific women maybe they can't throw together a match right away and something had to be canceled and so it's like it's easier for them to to do this than to actually throw a match together in less than an hour this was this was trying for entertainment for that let me up bullshit that that bruce always says vince loves and it was, it was him just saying, well, people love it when I sing on the podcast. And when I sing, you know, Jeff Jarrett's theme song or Dusty Rhodes' theme song. So I'm going to put it on TV as a little winking nod. It gets the, the women on TV. Maybe one of them develops a personality. Years ago, we did it with Jillian Hall, where the gag was she can't sing. But right, nobody, right. nobody looked even mildly good. Right, but nobody looked mildly yeah. good here. And, and then the reference to, like, you know, the Jarrett thing, it's like, who knows that? Yeah, I, you know, I, in Pritchard's defense, when we went to that Chicago, the first, um, you know, whatever festival. All in, all in, yeah. All in, when we, when, yeah. uh, when we went there, uh, they had karaoke one night, and it was a fucking blast. Yeah. They had, like, Pat Patterson there. Uh, but the thing about Pat Patterson is that he can really sing. So he sang uh, Do It My Way, and, like, the whole place was, like, like legitimately on their feet clapping. So... I'm kind of like, why don't you just have somebody who can actually fucking sing? Have Dude, Pat Patterson sing Pat My Way by Frank Sinatra. <laughs> it, it, it shouldn't have been. Pat Patterson sing yeah. Triple H theme song. What, what Roberts? It shouldn't, it shouldn't have been the, uh, the, the women that were out there doing it for it. It could have been wacky backstage people. I, I think the, the big story that, that's kind of not being said is the number of talent who clearly have either tested positive for COVID or have been quarantined and they're not able to be used on air because there's, there's Austin theories vanished off the face of the earth, Apollo Cruz, Seamus, Daniel Bryan. There's, there's just so many people who are just, they're not there. Uh, Bray, uh, Bray Wyatt, Braun Strowman, the street profits, people who've had, you know, they've had babies, they can't be there. So you're working with a reduced number of a reduced number. 
And they thought, well, we'll just try this. And if the gag was the three women can sing halfway decent and then Tamina, who's supposed to be all, you know, uh, emotionless and stern, just totally rocks out, maybe that would get her over. But it just made everyone look just goofy. Yeah, it was, it was really rough. Uh, number five, sticking to SmackDown, Matt Hardy is concerned about the Jeff Hardy drug and alcohol angle do you think uh my question is what is fair like uh, what is fair with wrestling what crosses the line would you consider this to be a thing that crosses the line not even close they've they've done this story the only thing that's offensive is they did the story before with jeff hardy and cm punk years ago this is this is matt taking the high horse when they did it with punk and jeff hardy it was great it was amazing and the fact that jeff wound up actually relapsing and getting arrested to pay off the storyline was was kind of <laughs> it was kind of great. Like way to commit to your art, dude. I love it. No, this is Matt Hardy taking shots at his old company because he can. I, I don't think this is. I mean, they used Paul Bearer's fake ashes after he died. Like there really is like bad taste has no bounds. We used Eddie Guerrero's death to make Rey Mysterio champion, and then Randy Orton told him, "Well, you know, Eddie is in hell." Like there, there is no bottom. There is no bottom. And Matt being – I don't think this is going to – I mean, maybe the shitty booking is going to make Jeff relapse, but the, the segment <laughs> itself probably isn't. Well, and, and also, what, what's in more bad taste? Um, a, a company you working for kind of writing something that's embarrassing for you or your own brother talking about you being – like, isn't that a thing you call your brother and discuss? Like, if, if, if my sister has a shitty job – I'm going to discuss that with her on the phone. I'm not going to like on the go same on property too. and, and right. like, yeah, I'm not going to go on my Facebook and talk about my sister's shitty job and her situation. <laughs> it's, it's fucking weird, right? That's an odd thing to do. It's, it's kind of disloyal. It's very odd. And uh, we, we mentioned CM Punk, so we should, we should bring him up right now. Number six, how much, how much is CM Punk worth? He apparently asked Cody for a ton of money. Cody, was like, eh, we didn't want to pay him, but then said it wasn't about money. Later, he kind of backtracked. Um, how much do you think CM Punk's worth? Right sure now. He's... I'm not talking oh. about, like, before he did the FS1 thing. I'm talking about right now. If Jericho's feasibly making $5 million a year, how much is CM Punk worth? I can't imagine CM Punk's a big spender, so right. I'm sure he's saved. Uh, he, he's got to have... A, a, a few million in some capacity. I know he lost money with that that lawsuit that he was involved in, but he's a very frugal guy. It's not like he's living in a palatial mansion somewhere. I can't imagine AJ Lee's sneaker habit is that hard to to keep under control. I just think he hated having the idea of going back to wrestling. He's like, you know what? Fuck it. You want me to come back? Pay me a crap load of money, and I'm going to show up. Otherwise, uh, I'm going to sit at home and do nothing. If you have like Robert, if you're 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 in a company and you have like like Tony Khan's money, how much do you think CM Punk is worth? Uh, depending on what you're getting him for, if you're getting him as an in-ring performer, I would say at least two million because you're going to make that back on ticket sales and merchandise alone, uh, plus the intrigue and the and the name value. And TNT would wind up kicking in some of that money too because they would want to promote the shit out of CM Punk being on their network. So he has a lot of extra value. He, he would single-handedly sell house show tickets if they decide to do house shows. He would sell merchandise. He would draw in 
ratings. He would help unlock a lot of additional licensing deals. And to boot, you're really sticking it to Vince, which I think is now becoming very apparent that that's what AEW has a hard on for. Yeah, Scott, what what do you th- do you think CM Punk is worth more than Jericho? If you're starting a company, I I think if you don't right think now, about, I think yeah, exactly. So so when it comes to like what could happen, you would have to go like two million, maybe more, because if Jericho's Jericho's making five million, you said for what? That's what I heard. The rumor is five, but it could be less. Five than a that. year? Five a what? Five. That's what I heard. I heard a wow. rumor was like five a year, but I, I mean that sounds like a lot, but. When you think like Cena and Brock are making probably like ten, right? Um, I don't know. I, I think to me the the real problem, and and we will see it no matter where he eventually goes, unless he doesn't go anywhere. Um, it, it's the payoff is not going to be there. I mean the the initial ticket sales may, but I mean like actual performance wise, I think we're going to see something we don't enjoy very much. He he ne- he never gave a shit about looking good, so that's out the window. Um, and he was, you know, when he was like fighting Joe, Ring of Honor, and stuff like that, and with Cena, when he was like wrestling every night. I mean, there was a moment where it, he came off like the best in the world, but it didn't always apply to in-ring performer. Like again, like he could never do a full backflip. He was kind. He kind of always had like two left feet. And I think being out of the game for so long with his actual ability, he's, he's limited as well. And people don't really bring it up that much. See, I, disagree. I disagree because I think for AEW, with some of the guys they have there that he's never really worked with, the chance for him to do a program with Kenny, the chance for him to do another program with Jericho, the chance for him to work with Cody would be motivation for him to, to try and, and, and bust his ass. Unfortunately, they, they'd have to shit can Colt Cabana if they were going to do it. Wow, I didn't even think of that. Damn. Number Sorry. seven. Sorry, Colt. It's time to check in with Scott's New Japan Corner. Ding, ding, ding. Well, first off, is that a good time to advertise the Patreon? I don't think so, but I'm going to do it anyway. Check out our Patreon. This week we reviewed New Japan's Dominion. Uh, it, it's kind of like, 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 like a burnt meal, but everybody had to, like, speak on it for an hour it was a it was a bit of a a bit of a show um but you know what we got from it the next day was we got a few announcements I, i know we theorized on what would be happening um so what's happening is we are getting evil versus hiromu like we saw at the end of um dominion we saw hiromu make that challenge that is happening july 25th at sengoku lord which is uh not too far away that's what a week from now or something yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty. Um, yeah, and on that same night, which is which is a major bummer, Naito is in the third match of the night, which uh, which it's like a it's it's a six man tag match, and if anybody knows about the third match in a New Japan show, I mean that first hour and a half is pretty skippable. So it is sort of shocking that that they've put him in that position um, after being double champion like, and being fucking Naito from quarantine like he he is really starting to look his age you know yeah maybe he's hurt man that's all i could think we're also getting okada versus uh yujiro takahashi which it's like it's the last guy you'd really want to see okada wrestle but it's happening and uh shingo versus desperado which will be really good that's july 25th 
Uh, also, July 20th, they're doing a new Japan Road 2, um, and they got a few matches on that. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's really it going on with uh, New Japan. Also, um, an announcement came from the government that they may be pulling back on uh, live uh, shows with audiences just in general when it comes to gatherings and sporting events. So Was Dominion that bad that they needed to, <laughs> to like, like, please stay home, do not risk your lives. Uh, for those, and this is, this is a quick, for those of you who are not part of the Patreon, uh, I highly recommend that, that you, you do it just to be able to hear this show for no other reason than it's kind of like that gag on The Simpsons where you can pinpoint the exact second Ralph Wiggum's heart breaks. You can pinpoint the exact moment Scott's will to live as a New Japan fan just leaves his body. Uh, it's, it's worth double whatever the, the, the Patreon amount is. Uh, definitely go out of your way to, to, to listen to it. It is the first and possibly last time I'm reviewing New Japan. Um, but, uh, I'm kidding. It was, it's, I, the next time you guys want me to do it, I am more than happy to steal Scott's login. Yeah. And this week's Patreon, we're going to be reviewing Extreme Rules Horror Show, which like, I don't think I've ever been more excited for a Patreon, uh, because I think this thing is going to be, uh, hilarious. So well, we're going to, we're going to get to that in two. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Number eight, Hadakamura's mother files a human rights complaint, uh, for the reality show that he was on. At first, like, I kind of, I, I looked at this as, like, a First Amendment issue, like, well, you know, like, you know, she signed up for it, but then I was, like, reading more of the details, and apparently she was, like, pressured to do stuff that she, like, like do scenes and do, like, things that she didn't want to do, so, you know, it, it seems like this is a real valid complaint. I, I, I don't know, what, what, what do you think, Robert, interesting, like, from, from a, a lawyer perspective, like, what do you think about these type of complaints? I think it'd be interesting if they can do a First Amendment complaint in Japan. Um, but besides that, I think her, her argument is that her, her daughter was hyperventilating and they continued to film it and they really weren't intervening and they were really trying to exploit her. This is what happens in a lot of reality shows because you sign away your, your life when you say you're going to enter into one of these things like, Big Brother or something like that, where they can film every moment of what's happening to you and, and you can't stop them. And that's what they're compensating you for. And they're hoping for a train wreck. I, I think calling it a human rights complaint is, is a, little, a little much, but at the same time, this is an, a, a, an emotionally raw person, uh, her, her mother. She's, she's lost her daughter because of the exploitation of what happened on this show. And I think she just wants them to, to be as, as embarrassed as possible. So whether this goes, doesn't go anywhere, it's another round of headlines where it makes these producers look like absolute monsters. And I think that is what's important for her. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and it is important. These, these, uh, these people who make these things should be ashamed. Fucking terrible people. Number Speaking nine. of human rights violations. <laughs> yeah, human rights violations. Next up, an eye for an eye match. Uh, number nine, Extreme Rules, the horror show. Let's just go through quick predictions. United States Championship, Apollo Crews versus MVP. I'm going to go with MVP just because when all else fails, Vince goes to the nostalgia well again. What do you guys think, MVP or Apollo Crews? We'll start with you, Zach. Switch it up. I think you're right. MVP is probably going to take this because uh, ratings, right? MVP is good. Uh, <laughs> they, they like, they like MVP. So, yeah. Scott, what do you think? 
Yeah, it, it, th- this is uh, the match I'm least looking forward to. The, hi- the, the title holds uh, no prestige whatsoever to me. I, I never got MVP. I always rooted for MVP, you know, because root- I just root for anybody trying to make a living, I guess, and he never seemed like a piece of shit. But uh, I never got a, a kick out of MVP. I was never excited about an MVP segment. Uh, but I do think he will retain because he's more of a personality than Apollo Crews. That's well, he's not retaining. He, he's, he's challenging for the title. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Challenging. Yeah, that's what I meant, yeah. I, I like MVP. I, I enjoyed working with him. I, I like what he's been doing recently. I think he's been literally the MVP of Raw in a lot of ways that they can just put him segment after segment and he can carry him. I think he's going to win, and I think he's going to win because I think Cedric Alexander is going to turn on Apollo and join MVP. I think they need a payoff of somebody that MVP is talking to aligns with him. And I think that Cedric getting his ass kicked a few weeks in a row, he's finally going to realize this is fucking stupid being a good guy. I'm going to turn on these guys, and I'm going to join up with uh, Lashley and, and uh, MVP. Eye for an eye match. Seth Rollins versus Rey Mysterio. I think Ray's going to win because it makes more sense for Seth to have an eye patch, I guess. I don't I know think- what they're doing. Apparently, there's some fucking CGI shit they're doing. But I really want Ray to lose because I think a gimmick of Ray being blind and still wrestling like Daredevil would be fucking hilarious. Uh, but I, 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 have a feeling, I have a feeling that, you know, Ray's going to win. And uh, unfortunately, Seth is not going to win. Seth's going to have an eye patch so he can look just as cool as Moxley did. What do you guys think? Well, the idea behind this one, though, is you you literally need to remove the eye from the socket. It's it's not just like poking a guy and then it heals up. It's like, to me, they're like, well, how can we actually... When I hear your eye is ripped out, I don't think, oh, uh, he's away getting surgery on his eye and it'll heal eventually. I just think you don't have an eye anymore. And I think with Rey Mysterio, you could give him a contact and he could just look cool and... Uh, and it's kind of a rib on him for not re-signing right away. He's working without a contract, right? They're probably irritated. And so it's like, yeah, now you got to stick a fucking contact in your eye every time you come out. Part of me desperately, I mean, and again, this is just shitty to put this out here as being better than whatever they're going to come up with, is Ray gets some kind of sharp stick or something, and he's trying to blind Seth. And you have Becky Lynch run out there pleading that as the, as the pregnant wife, you know, wife of Seth Rollins, like, please do not blind my husband. Um, I think that would be a cool emotional moment, whether it's, you know, Seth capitalizes and, and then pokes Ray's eye with a stick. This is so fucking stupid, and I'm trying to make it not be stupid, but there, <laughs> there's no way that you can, I, I, unless, they, unless this ends with, like, the cops run in to shut the thing down, and that was the plan all along, or the AOP come back. I've, I, every time Dominic's involved in a storyline, whether it's when I was there and we did the stupid shit with him, or Nat, like, I fucking hate Dominic. He is the harbinger of bad storylines, and that fucking kid, I get it, he's trained, Landstorm did a great job, but fuck you, Dominic, go get a real fucking job and stop ruining wrestling. Uh, I like Dominic in wrestling. Finally, finally, Dominic's taken down to size. Uh, SmackDown Women's Championship, Bailey versus Nikki Cross. It's going to be Bailey because they haven't build up Nikki Cross. Does anyone disagree with this? No, No. that's what it is. All right, let's keep going. Raw Women's Championship match. Asuka versus Sasha Banks. This will be the match of the night. I think Asuka will retain. Anybody think that Sasha's got a chance? I think Sasha's going to win. Really? 
Yeah, like, man. I think I, I think all the belts on uh, Bailey and Sasha, man, they're money. The only way that works is if they turn Shayna Baszler babyface because they put her over pretty strong on Raw for hey, I'm coming for champions. And if Baszler's hunting Sasha and Bailey, then that could work. If they keep uh, the title on Asuka, then I think Asuka and Shayna would be a pretty fun program. I think I think Shayna should have the twenty four seven title and treat it seriously. And just fight ninjas every week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just yeah, just I, I I've been saying that after like the first few months of dude because the twenty four seven title worked for a second. It was like genuinely a fun, cute thing going on. It was fun like two weeks after, yeah. Like, yeah, and, and then I think I think if they if they take it more seriously, it could be kind of like a hardcore belt, and uh, they could really have fun with it. And I think Shayna kind of just navigating her life like a like a warrior just having to swat people uh when she get like that that adds to her character it sounds like something she'd want to do i want this title because i'm always ready for a fight that's fucking cool and it's a title that like you know it's not like this thing where it's like a woman is the this champion like it's the 24 7 title but who cares yeah yeah and also who gives a shit but yeah wyatt swamp fight braun Strowman. Versus Bray Wyatt's. I'm looking forward to this match. I wonder if like the ghost of Dr. John is going to be playing like New Orleans classics and there's going to be fucking alligators there. I don't fucking know. I hope it's silly and fucking dumb. I'd, so I'd much rather see this than another match between them. I think Bray goes over because it's a non-title match. I don't know. Or, or maybe there's not a finish and the fiend rises up from the muck like Jason Voorhees or something. I don't know. What, what, who do you guys got? Is it is it non-title? I didn't know that. Originally, it was non-title. Zach? I'm pretty sure it's non-title. Yeah, that's why. Well, you know, it's because the title is too important to be fought in a swamp. Have they said that? Because that's what they should say. And then they should go, you know what? Actually, maybe this entire storyline should not be happening. <laughs> uh, we're we're killing time until they get to i'm guessing braun Strowman and sheamus is your big SummerSlam program uh because that'll make god. jeff hardy drink but I, I this is i oh god i i hope that they uh that randy orton live tweets this match that's really all i'm praying for at this point just him just constantly writing thank god it's not me thank god it's not me over and over <laughs> and over do you think the swamp will uh will help Bray take the victory. <laughs> like, like, like what I mean by that is like, do you think like, um, like vines and stuff will like wrap around Braun and, and, and assist Wyatt? I think Papa Shango and the boogeyman are hiding somewhere in the swamp and they're going to, they're going to rise up and there's going to be someone in an alligator costume. Who's going to, uh, who's going to help. Yeah. Is, I think that, I think that big guy who plays the, the giant ninja is just going to be like Swamp Thing this episode. <laughs> they do it outside of Stanford and all of Vince's NDAs pop up and it's like him trying to be, no, keep it down in the swamp. Yeah. Uh, is- Jeff Hardy in a bar fight. I, I'm guessing this is just going to be like one of those APA skits backstage. Sheamus is, is going to win if Jeff Hardy is about to leave, which is what the dirt sheets are reporting and they're always right. Uh, do you guys think Jeff Hardy has a shot? If he takes a shot, it'll be a more entertaining match. <laughs> like, that's how it ends with Jeff just relapsing. 
Well, that, and, and that's my least favorite part of this match is knowing they're going to do the spot where, you know, he puts Hardy's head underneath like the tap and pours beer on his head. And it's like, no, the thing I, that is, is I am, uh, you know, so weak to is on me now. My I just, kryptonite, Pat's Blue Ribbon. Yeah, I hate that. I just hope they like insert a few uh, drunk wrestlers uh, in the bar, you know? Oh, have Scott Hall at the bar the whole time. Yeah, I think they got to give some guys a payday, you know? Have like Janetti in the bathroom or something doing lines <laughs> in the bathroom. <laughs> oh, sorry, Janetti. <laughs> Instead of Pritchard in the corporate office's bathroom, it's Janetti doing lines at a bar bathroom. <laughs> oh. And our main event, Drew McIntyre versus Dolph Ziggler. Dolph gets to pick the stip. The rumor is it's going to be a TLC match. It's going to be Drew. I think this match is going to be better than people think it's going to be. Obviously, the feud doesn't have a ton of heat because of the way Ziggler's been booked over the years and them not realizing that Drew McIntyre was NXT champion. Does anyone think that Dolph Ziggler has a prayer here? Unless Drew has a heart attack during the match, no. Yeah, absolutely, right? It's, it's not even worth my issue is if it's a TLC, which is like uh, an amazing match, you're, you're typically guaranteed something worth staring at, you know, when you have a TLC match. Why are we waiting? Why are we waiting to announce this? I think that, like, this, this, this helps, like, create more obstacles for, uh, for Drew and makes him more of a baby face. But just let him have great matches, you know, like – the last two pay-per-views that Drew's had, you know, the Lashley match and the uh, match that he had with Seth, they were they were very good championship matches. So just rest on that. I, I don't know. I, I think they're overthinking it. If the name of the pay-per-view is Extreme Rules, and there's not a single Extreme Rules match on the show. So they clearly are overthinking it. The whole point of the gimmick of the show is that it's it was the ECW pay-per-view and that it's this is supposed to be, they're all basically hardcore matches with no rules. Instead, it's tune in for the gimmick. Like, you know, it's going to be a coal miner's glove on a pole or something like that. Horror show. I, I can't get over it. And I know my main issue with what's going to come out of this card, and I hope people shit on it, is whoever gets their eye pulled out, I promise you there will be a sound effect to go along with the eye being pulled out. And that <laughs> bothers the shit out of me knowing we're going to get, like, an eye hanging out of a guy's eye, and then boing, wing, 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 or some shit. That shouldn't bother you. What, what should bother you is when, it, when the eyeball pops out of Seth's eye, a white light shoots out from inside the <laughs> eyeball. It is, it, is, it is his magical... Uh, how happy must Roman Reigns be right now to be sitting at home not having to deal with this shit? Oh, my God. He's got to be really fucking pumped. Um, and finally, number 10, maybe this will be a recurring segment. Uh, what is the social media post of the week? Who do you guys got? <laughs> do we have the same person? I don't know. No, I think I, I, you, should go, you should go with the one we're both thinking of, but I have something else. Okay, so this morning, I wake up at like 5 uh, on the weekdays to get ready for work. And as I get ready, I might scroll through Twitter a little bit. And at 5 in the morning... Uh, it said two minutes ago, Chris Jericho posted something, and it's him yelling <laughs> at Sebastian Stan or Bach? Bach. I mean, I Sebastian, Sebastian Bach. Bach, right? I, yeah. Uh, because s someone said that Sebastian Bach looked 
like Jericho or Jericho started looking like Sebastian Bach and Sebastian said, uh, yeah, but I don't lip sync, you know, something to that effect. And Jericho was very, very offended and went on this whole ra uh, rant and kind of is like playing along with the storyline that he's a, that he's a numbers guy when it comes to, to demos and sales and stuff and kind of let Sebastian Bach know that uh he his band Fozzie has actually done better than uh than yeah, Sebastian. That was bullshit. That was the most bullshit thing he said because he was like, I've had more number one singles in the past three years. But like those, but that would those are the these are the days where the number one single doesn't fucking matter at all. <laughs> like back when Sebastian Bach was doing it, it actually did matter. Yeah, did, people were actually actively buying things. Yeah, now it's like, now it's just like, oh, that's kind of a cute thing. It's it's like now, how many comics do we know who have like the number one comedy album on iTunes? And it yeah. doesn't really just, it doesn't really mean anything. It just means like a certain amount of people downloaded at that moment, you know? Yeah, it's like we're number one on the on the uh, metals chart, guys. And it's like, there's <laughs> who else came out with a, with a metal album this week? Yeah, nobody. What, no what do you one. think, Robert? What was your favorite social media post of the week? So there's two. So so one of them is is trying to be a, 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 I'm going to be uplifting and positive, which is against my nature and will. But you know, this has been a lot of fucking whatever. Somebody pointed out uh, just last night alone, uh, Sunny Kiss, Nyla Rose, and Tegan Knox, who's who's now come out, all LGBTQ members, uh, all featured prominently on pro wrestling shows. Uh, in a positive way, so I, I like that. And then to, to skew back into what makes me feel more more myself, Dolph Ziggler, who uh, is the gift that keeps on giving. At first, he said he was annoyed that he got cut out of the uh, SmackDown karaoke segment, and then someone wrote, "Aren't you on Raw?" And his reply was, "I don't know. I don't watch the show." <laughs> so <laughs> he's in the top feud on Raw. That's so Actually, funny. that may be my favorite. That may be my favorite. I'm going to go with Shayna Baszler, though, which is also an LGBTQ post. Somebody tweeted at her, not for nothing, but this bitch is ugly. She's the most unattractive woman in the WWE roster, LOL. And then Shayna Baszler said, go watch the Miss America pageant. In the meantime, I'll keep breaking limbs and pulling hotter tail than you. So I think it's <laughs> awesome. It's an awesome fucking, like, that's what she should be talking like. You know, like, forget the promo on Monday. Just have her script her own shit. That was very good. She's great. She replied to me on, on Monday, and, and I, I, I like Shane. I've known her for a while, but she knows to play the game where I, I actually got a, a work call during Raw. I had to step away for, like, five minutes, and people were right. freaking out, and I missed her segment, so I put a joke up there. I'm like, we we didn't we we didn't tweet because we were uh, we were not paying attention. We didn't tweet because we're scared out of our minds with Shayna Baszler. And she just wrote back, very smart. And people love that because it was like she's she knows how to play the social media game. She's great, and and very she's good really good. And hopefully she doesn't get eaten by an alligator in the swamp. Guys, uh, we're at the end of the show. It's been a, it's been a blast. Patreon's going to be a blast. We're going to record right after Extreme Rules on Sunday night, and we're going to have the episode for you Monday morning. Subscribe to the podcast. Rate the podcast. A five-star review would really help. Uh, share it around. Anything you can do. Let's go uh, Go through plugs. Scotty, what you got? Follow me. It's Scott underscore Chaplin on Instagram and Twitter. And follow, uh, listen to my other podcast, Garbage Days, with uh, comedian Brennan Saglow. There's every Tuesday. Andy Cups. 
Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at WWCreative underscore ISH. Uh, I think I'm the only person who's actually watching Raw uh, in looking at my own timeline. When I stepped away, I'm like, what did I miss on Raw for five minutes? And not a single person I follow, and I only follow wrestling people, were talking about what was going on on Raw. So we are shouting into a void here. Uh, but not here on Total F and Marks. Thanks for listening, guys. Make sure, again, like Dan said, tell your friends. Uh, bring them in here. I think they're going to like the show. I mean, you, you made it all the way to the end, even through the New Japan corner. So you know there's <laughs> worthwhile elements. Uh, and we'll hear you on the, on the Patreon on Sunday. Oh, Robert, one other thing. Let's give a shout out to your uh, friend who just did the new logo for Total F and Marks. That is, uh, that is a, great, uh, a great idea. You can follow him on Twitter at James Vanderbeek. Uh, spelt slightly different, uh, but uh, you, you've probably seen a lot of the stuff that he puts together online. Uh, it's, it's, pretty, uh, it's pretty remarkable. The, uh, the logo looks, looks really badass. I think maybe we, we might want to put that on a, uh, on a T-shirt. I don't know what you guys think. Yeah, I love yeah, that thing. Love it. Zach, what do you got? Sleeveless, no sleeves. It's too cool. The logo. You can yoke cool it yourself. Yes. <laughs> Zach, what do you got? Follow our Twitter at Total F and Marks. Right. I, I was Twitter. tweeting from uh, from it last night, so uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll tweet again this uh, this next this next Wednesday's Dynamite. I'll, I'll tweet uh, I'll tweet through Dynamite. So check that out. All right, folks, have a good one. God bless. <laughs> <laughs>